In this episode, I interview Matt Gilhooley, the podcast host of The Life Shift. Do you show vulnerability in your classroom? Do you expect students to be willing to be vulnerable in your classroom? I've wondered about my own vulnerability, especially since I started doing this podcast. We talk a lot about relationships in this episode, and Matt really nails it when he says, I might not remember what you taught me, but I do remember how you made me feel. It just struck me as that critical moment for teaching is how did I make my students feel? Will they remember balanced equations? I don't know, but they will remember the connections that we had in that classroom. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode with Matt. With the new focus of the podcast, if you have found yourself listening to students more or engaging with your students and have tried something that they have suggested, if you found something from one of the podcasts that you tried in your classroom, connect with me. Let me know what you're doing in your classroom. I'm really excited to hear other teachers who are listening to Student Voice. to the podcast, Education Unimagined, where we give students an opportunity to share their voice in a system where often their voice is unheard. I ask them to share their experience and advice on how we can improve the experience for everyone. Matt, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with me today. I'm super excited to venture into this different direction where I am asking more about what it means to be a student in adult education. But before we get into all of that, would you mind sharing a little background about who you are? Thank you for having me. I know this conversation is a little different from what you normally talk about, but I think I have a couple different perspectives. I'm going to identify as a podcaster. That is where my heart is. I've been doing that for a little bit now, but before that, and currently, I am a teacher in the higher education space. This particular college hires people with direct experience in the real world to teach the students beyond the textbook. Our approach is trying to merge academic knowledge, but with the things you're actually going to encounter. My current passion is, I guess, teaching through the podcast, sharing stories and and allowing people to feel less alone, which I think is also part of education in itself to feel like you belong. I think that's what we do as educators by giving the knowledge so that they kind of fit in that space. Hmm. I am going to go off course and ask a little follow-up question to what you just shared. One, you to sort of tell me about your guests as students. How do your guests in your podcast find their voice? That's a tough one. I think people that are in my generation, I'm early 40s, grew up understanding that you keep the bad things to yourself and you only share the good things. Once I found the freedom myself to share the really hard parts, I think that allowed other people to do the same. It was a lead by example. I think that's how my guests feel comfortable enough to share because they saw me take down the walls. I share the hard times and 
the things that kind of shape me into who I am and why I'm grateful for those hard times. When my guests listen to that episode in particular, they feel a trust because I've done it and I'm safe and I'm still existing and thriving and doing what I need to do. That kind of lets down the walls. I keep saying this all the time that I can't believe how lucky I am that people trust me to share their stories. I think it's just because I've shared mine and I'm allowing other people to do that where none of us can feel alone anymore. So many of us have suffered in silence in certain areas of our lives or, you know, kind of muted whatever was we were succeeding in. And so now I think that's what allows my guests to feel comfortable enough to do that. This really relates to my listener who is a teacher who is hoping to change and grow in their own craft and an empower student voice. So here, what you're saying is be vulnerable yourself, gives your students the opportunity to know that it's okay to be vulnerable. But I also am thinking about how the environment is conducive to that that ability to feel comfortable enough to do something that maybe might not be something that you were comfortable doing somewhere else. That vulnerability part, in general, I think teachers need to remember that they're human. Sometimes I think we forget. We feel like we have to have all the answers and know everything. But I think the students appreciate it when we don't know something. When we're like, that's a good question. I actually don't know the answer to that because guess what? I'm a human and I can't know everything. There is a difference in the teachers that I've connected to compared to the teachers that I just, I did my work was the human aspect of they were fine being wrong. They were fine not knowing all the answers. That's how I approach my teaching too. I'm not a quote unquote expert in this particular topic, but I've been immersed in this topic for X amount of years. So maybe I have a little bit more credibility to share some of this information with you. But I'm still here learning as a teacher as well. I think sometimes teachers just feel like they have to be the know-it-all and the sage on the stage, right? Instead of just a person like a coach on the side. It's a protection factor too. If I, the teacher, show my vulnerability that I maybe don't know something, we've not seen a whole lot of other models in education to show that that's an okay stance to take. Often we're made to believe that we have to have all of the answers. As a student in your various levels of education, what are some lessons that you learned? The first thing that I would say is in elementary school, my mom died when I was eight. And so that was going into third grade. And that teacher, I think was put in my life at the right point in time. And I remember nothing about the education experience, but I remember that I felt safe and I felt that there was care there and they were interested in me moving forward in life and not being stuck by what happened to me. And maybe five years ago, we actually sat down and had breakfast together and she remembered me. We talked about all the things that happened in that class. And just someone like that really makes an impact showing that they care it goes to that vulnerability. It shows I'm a human here. I'm not just here to teach you cursive or your multiplication table, but I'm here to make sure that you feel safe and that you can progress in life at whatever stage you're in. Middle school, I was in the gifted program. I didn't like that experience. You're put in a group of other students with an IQ that's a certain number. 
isolates you. And for me, I didn't like it. I felt like teachers just assumed we knew everything when we hadn't been exposed to certain topics. So we were doing more fun things. I guess every student would want that, but I felt like it wasn't a valuable experience for the education side. I vividly remember telling my dad when I got to ninth grade, I just want to be in the honors classes or the AP classes. I don't want to be in the gifted program anymore. In high school, again, I gravitated to the ones that were humans that would ask me how my weekend was and actually asked how it was and teach me and grade my work. I just remember the, the human part of them, the personalities, the things that made me feel like I could succeed. Then I went to college and here's the thing in, in my generation, college was just the next thing you do at 18. First of all, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to go to college because that was just what comes next. It was the requirement on my checklist of, of life things to do. So I just chose what was easy. I started in one program. And as soon as I got a lower grade, I was like, Nope, I'm going to switch to an easier program. But then I got into the real world, did the real world stuff, started teaching, seeing how I could be like, and I love that the school that I'm at allows you to teach the real world stuff. What informed my teaching was my real world education. And then just recently during the pandemic, I decided to get a pandemic master's degree, the mass communications degree. And really I wanted to actually learn this time. This experience was different because every class I chose, I chose with intention, especially the electives. I chose classes that scared me and that I knew were going to be hard on my brain because it was a field that I had never been in. Seeing all the other students that were the old version of me just kind of going through the process was really was a weird, look, you're looking at your old version of yourself. You care maybe too much now. It informed my teaching because I was enjoying the learning. I was enjoying being challenged. I was enjoying understanding things. But then I was also getting frustrated that my students were not approaching it in that way. I mostly teach online. So that adds another element of how do you connect? This master's degree made my job now harder on me mentally because I saw the old version of myself taking the classes with me. Reflecting on Matt as a student who really only remembers the educators who made connections with them and not what that teacher actually maybe was instructed to be teaching you. I always felt sort of pulled in a lot of different directions. One of the directions was I didn't have enough time to make those connections with kids because I had so many other things on the radar. What do you think the goal of an educator? Well, I think that's also a loaded question. I think that we would have to define what we think K through 12 is. Is that a journey of learning particular topics? Or is that a journey of learning? I think there's a difference in my opinion. I think that my K through 12 experience served me well. It was number 11 out of 640. So, I mean, it, it did well. It wasn't like I wasn't learning the objectives of the course. That was just a product of going through the experience of K through 12. I can't tell you what I was supposed to learn in English ninth grade. I remember reading a lot, but what am I learning? I probably learned a lot of vocabulary, how to read, how to synthesize information, but that wasn't what I left going, oh, these are the things I learned in this class. 
It was how I felt going through that process. Did I feel supported? Did I feel challenged, but in a supportive way? Did I hate that class because it's so hard and nobody's helping me? So if we define what K through 12 is supposed to be, are we supposed to come out with a list of objectives that we've met? Or are we supposed to just go through that journey and learn the things we're supposed to learn and come out like a, a functioning human that can exist in the world? If I look at it from that perspective, it was successful for me. I don't have any regrets or feel like I missed out on anything in high school, even though I can't remember a darn thing that I learned. I'd like you to sort of reflect on journey of learning and then tie it into the process in which we give feedback to students through grading. What role did grading play in your educational experience and how did it impact your journey of learning? I think that in my generation, we were conditioned that grades were everything. And I don't specifically remember anything up until I started teaching in which I received feedback. I was conditioned after my mom died part of my brain conditioned myself, whether this is true of society or what my dad said, that I had to get A's. I had to be successful. And I think that if we look at that from a trauma perspective, I think that's fear of abandonment. So my experience starting third grade and on was always, I have to be near the top of the class, if not the top. My goal was always to do that. And until I became a teacher, I didn't look at grades much more than you just have to get 100. And I assumed I worked to get that 100. As a teacher around other teachers, I think we're in a different place now. I think we're in a place in which grades are highly inflated. We haven't made those human connections. So we as teachers fear that if we give a bad grade, now we have to like defend this or fight or do something along those lines. The teachers I love the most in my newest master's degree were the ones that gave me specific feedback about certain areas. Grades are, are definitely a loaded topic. We're conditioned with numbers just in anything. I mean, with money, with grades, it's like the higher it is, the better you are. But I think there's this fear factor of giving students a number based on the work that they put out. And my practice going in as a teacher is, here's your rubric. You as a student know exactly what I'm looking for. You know exactly where the points are coming from, and that's what you're going to earn based on what your work submitted. My grading experience really didn't hit until I became a teacher and then also as a student later in life was like looking at it like, is this even, what is this? It doesn't make any sense. That's a really, really critical piece that you bring up that when you were a student, as well as a teacher, you were able to take the learning that you had from the lack of feedback or the great feedback and the grades and, and put it into practice for you. I think the teachers that care work really hard to create meaningful feedback. It's hard for me because I think somewhere along the line, students have been conditioned to just look at a grade because they never got feedback or they didn't care. I agree that grades are very complicated and inflation is a real thing. And how did we get to that point of inflation? What advice would you give to Matt back in junior, senior year of high school? knowing now what you know. If he would listen. I just wish that back in the 90s, it was okay to do the things you want to do versus what you think you're supposed to do or what your family thinks you're supposed to do. I started college, I don't know, undeclared. And I really want to be 
an MTV VJ. So I went into the radio and television program. And because I had been conditioned so long to get top grades, when I got a C in mass communication law, it was done. I'm not going to be successful. That was the defining, sorry, dream. Don't stick it out. Go the place where you can get the hundreds. So I went to business, which was just like the expected thing. So if I could tell 16, 17 year old Matt, who was in the drama department, enjoyed doing performing and had friends that that liked all the same things, I would tell him to lean into it. Fortunately, I think 2022 people that are going in, I think there's a lot more encouragement to do the things you want to do and not the things that society tells you to do or that you're supposed to do. I think students these days at least can approach things like, I really want to do this and this could be a reality. I would tell him to just kind of lean in and choose something that he enjoys versus something that's easy or something that's expected. Do the things you like. Do a podcast right when they come out. <laughs> it was a couple years in between when that existed. But I mean, imagine had I gone through and worked for MTV or, or VH1 or any of those companies. How cool, maybe. Maybe it'd be terrible. I don't know. Well, it's interesting to think that where you are now was something that was an interest for you in a different format, but still like being a host or being a presence on some sort of media platform. It is interesting how life goes. And as you say on your and your podcast, it shifts. Your podcast focus on life shifts. It's called The Life Shift. When do you think students experience shifts from having to go to school to actually wanting to learn? How do you think we shift education to maybe better support that type of learning? Lorraine, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I think it's the more human connections that we can make and the more relevant examples that we can make for the students, I think that's when they start to attach. If if you're giving them these project-based learning activities in which there is real world infused into those activities and they're learning from your mistakes because we're all human, we have tons of mistakes that we can learn from and better them to learn from our mistakes than to make those mistakes themselves. If you can infuse those moments, I think that's when the students start to attach. It was something about that human experience <laughs> as a teacher. It's on all of us. And I don't think every teacher is gonna be able to do this, but I think spark that interest in the students it can happen at any point, even if it's just one or two teachers every year that that creates that snowball. When a student can connect personally to something that the teacher has to say or share, I think that's when a shift can happen. For me, it was probably like third grade. I think another one is if you graduate with a degree, it might be worth your time to take a gap year or two and live in the real world and do real world things. Having that real world experience, which is just like the story of having your teachers share it, helps create a shift into, oh, I do wanna learn this. That's really great advice to be vulnerable, be human. We started in the beginning talking about vulnerability and now it comes back around and that is how you connect with your students so that they want to learn. The human connection is important to anything. Not every student's going to connect with every instructor. Not every student's going to relate to whatever the examples are being shared in the class. I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story, sharing your background and some of your advice. I think all of it was really valuable. So thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. There's a new look to the podcast. We have changed our name to Education Unimagined. For that reason, we are taking a slightly different focus moving forward. We are going to take the lessons learned from student voices 
There's more to advice than just listening. After having these conversations with students, it changed me. I put some of their suggestions into my practice and I noticed a difference. I was more connected with the students. My relationships were stronger and it made me a better educator. I'd love for you to take some of these lessons that you've learned and put them into practice or share some of the lessons that you have learned from your students. It's more than just hearing student voices. It's learning from them. You can follow me and share your own experiences on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at Peers Not Beers. I want to share an analogy about a basketball team. If you are creating a basketball team, the likelihood that you are going to stack your team with natural basketball athletes is pretty slim. You know, as a coach, that you have to train athletes to become better athletes. You have to coach them. You have to guide them. Leadership is the same thing. We have to train leaders. We have to guide leaders. We have to coach leaders. And if you or somebody you know is someone who could use some of those leadership trainings, I have a great program for you. It's called the Leadership Academy. And if you search peers, not beers, you will come across my Leadership Academy, which is available for unlimited access to do leadership training. It is broken into modules. You can do them in order or out of order, whatever you need. You can repeat them for $500. You have access to this Leadership Academy for a lifetime. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.